Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Um, today I have Noah and John joining me on the podcast. Noah, John, how's it going? Good, Great. how are you? Doing well. I uh, appreciate you guys um, taking the time to come on the podcast today. Uh, Noah, why don't you introduce yourself and then John, you as well, and then we'll uh, get into our conversation for today. Yeah, yeah, thanks, John. Um, my name is Noah Wiersimo. I'm a youth guy, youth pastor in Dallas, Texas at New St. Peter's Presbyterian Church. Been there about two and a half years. Yeah, and my name is John Porter, um, and I work at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And I'm actually doing the RYM church internship. So have the ability to work in a church context and also have the resources and coaching of RYM. So I'm just started my second year. So I've been working at Trinity for about a year and three months. Yeah. And and thanks for that little plug about the RYM internship. Uh, that's something I know um, those who listen to the podcast heard Ben Melcher's just a few weeks ago. And the, the name Michael Hall uh, was uttered a few times in that interview. And I know Michael is over that. But yeah, those who are interested, getting, I guess we're getting a little infomercial right here at the beginning. Uh, get rym.org slash training and uh, you'll find some, some information there. Um, but Noah, John, it's, it's good to, to connect with you guys. And I don't know Texas like I should. How far are you guys uh, from each other? How far is that? We're about 30 traffic. miles. 30 miles? Yeah, okay. about 30 miles uh, west is Fort Worth from Dallas. Uh, okay. So do you guys try to get together somewhat consistently, talk ministry? We do sometimes. Um we're in a kind of a cohort of youth guys in our presbytery that puts on a, a retreat together once a year. So we get connected that way. And then we get to see each other at presbytery, which is good. And YLT as well. Yeah. YLT. <laughs> That's right. Youth leader training. We'll go ahead and just, yeah, give another little infomercial there. John's just um, plugging everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I say this, I've said it so many times um, that I feel like I can plug YLT because I have nothing to do with it. That's all Michael Hall. Um, but I will encourage you guys, I mean, before we started recording this podcast, I mean, we, we referenced YLT and um, just the need to, to have a, a place to come to, to retreat from ministry for a while and to, to receive encouragement. And um, I know that there's, we're kind of finalizing the schedule. I know Sam Albury is going to be joining us. Those who listen to the podcast know he was on just a few weeks ago as well. Um, but we've got a good lineup in Nashville and then Paradise, Pennsylvania. Um, People, once again, can go to rym.org slash training, and you can find out some more information about that. But would encourage you all uh, to sign up um, because like the conversation we're going to have in just a minute, so much to me, the blessing of, of YLT is getting to sit down with other youth workers and, and talk about ministry and, and talk about the, the joys of ministry, the challenges as well. Um, and uh Noah, I guess, brought this question up to me um, when we were at our summer conference in Colorado. And the basic question, and, and Noah, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but, but basically just asking, do you know how to do youth ministry uh, when you don't have a building to do youth ministry in? Um, and I, I can't remember even if you were asking for resources or knew anyone that had kind of experienced that, done ministry in that way. I was thinking, no, I, I don't really have any thoughts on that and haven't really given a whole lot of thought to that. And so um, we wanted to just have this podcast to, to share, um, you know, 
John, you can share your context. Noah, you can share your context. And um, just kind of talk through some of the challenges of, of doing ministry without out of building. And um, we might not have a lot of answers on this podcast, but just kind of thrown out a lot of questions too. Um, so Noah, why don't you just kind of, how, how you approached me in Colorado, and then um, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, just a little more about my context. We've uh, been building lists for about 18 years. And so we've been worshiping at a children's theater in town. And so being here for a bit, I've <clears throat> excuse me, started to really ask the question of, okay, how does youth ministry look without a building? And are there some unique facets and things that I would need some more resources on? And somebody has some better answers to. So I approached you thinking maybe, you know, in the history of the local youth worker and other resources, maybe there's something out there more just from a question asking standpoint. And then that kind of started the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, cause you know, our, our summer conference season's crazy. I mean, we've got six summer conferences and um, I was surprised I actually remembered <laughs> that you, you came up that I didn't just forget that, but in the summer that kind of just kept coming back up. And then we saw each other again at our middle school, Texas conference and discussed it a little bit more. Um, but John, why don't you give us just a little thought? I mean, a little bit of, of your context as well. And we'll kind of jump yeah. into discussing this more. Yeah, so Trinity Presbyterian is a church plant of about six years now, uh, and we have uh, we've actually met in another church building for almost the entirety of of that six years. We meet in the afternoons at four p.m. Um, and the older Baptist church that owns the building they actually meet in the mornings. Um, and one of the one of the funny things about the, uh, the subject of this conversation is that uh, our church is actually in the process of buying a building and hoping to renovate it in the next year and potentially be moved in around a year from now. Uh, so kind of funny, feel like a little bit of an in-betweener in this conversation, <laughs> but definitely something that uh, I'm interested in talking about as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess maybe just some some questions I have. Um, how do you go about communicating to your students um, where you're meeting consistently? I mean, is it, you know, somewhat of a consistent place? I know you're, you're talking about some spaces that you have somewhat consistently, but I mean, are you going around at different people's houses? Are you going to restaurants, all of the above? Just kind of, I guess, getting to the communication aspect of that to students. So, no, do you want to start us off with kind of how you try to tell students where and when to meet? Yeah. Yeah, I think in normal times, we meet twice a month at a specific rented place that our that our church does, kind of our Sunday school hour, if you will. Um, and then we meet another time a month at somebody's house who hosts. So I send out weekly emails, try to keep people in touch that way. Under normal circumstances, we have at least a rhythm of here's a place twice a month we're going to be, and then we'll add in another place each month. But during COVID, that got especially difficult because we were at different houses multiple times a month. And, you know, there was some miscommunication for sure, but um, trying to do that, trying to get it announced during services on Sundays, because that's when people are listening and, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough trying to get you to show up at places and make sure you communicate well, but when you don't have a building and you're having to, to stay on top of that, I can't imagine how difficult that is. So John, yeah, talk just a little bit about the communication piece there. Yeah, I, I would say something similar to Noah in that, uh, you know, we typically meet uh, around twice a month. We have uh, the church building uh, after our our Sunday worship at 4 p.m. So we kind of have the 5.30 to 6.30 slot where we can 
typically gather together and have small groups and and that can be a good time to directly address the students but certainly highly dependent on uh, the involvement of parents like sending out those youth emails to parents and really hoping that uh, parents can kind of be the middleman to communicating with the students as well. In some contexts, especially with younger students, the parents are gonna be directing where the students are anyway. And so it's helpful to talk to them directly, but uh, definitely using email, using those opportunities where we're together, uh, which are not quite as frequent when we can't use the building during midweek. So even before and after Sunday worship, like getting a chance to see the students that I'm trying to connect with and making sure they're aware of, hey, this is coming up or I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're going to be there. Um, that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's something I, I was just yeah, going to ask as y'all were talking is that the parents, um, you know, in this entire scenario, I mean, I, I would think obviously they're, they're vital, um, to any communication in youth ministry, but, but with this, do you guys have parents that are kind of helping in this process of finding locations to, to utilize? Are they opening up their homes? Um, how do you, do you have any kind of structure or, or um, you know, rhythm to, to all that, to that rotation? Noah, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, we do have, you know, we definitely have a list of people who we know these are people that are comfortable opening their homes and have done it in the past. And so it ends up being for me kind of a case by case, when do we need a host and, and that sort of thing. And not everybody can host every time, you know, and you also don't want to burn people out on hosting. So you're mm -hmm. trying to kind of move around, you know, um, but we've had very generous families. And that's really why I'm here today is that we still have a youth ministry because families have continued to open their homes. Mm, that's awesome. John, what about with you? Yeah, we are, uh, we're certainly highly dependent on volunteers, uh, both for um, the events themselves, for people who want to be involved with the students, but also for volunteers to host events and things like that. And so one of the things that has been helpful started to uh, get in the rhythm of conducting a youth parent meeting uh, at the beginning of every semester to kind of give parents an idea of the things that we're hoping to do this semester, the events that we might like to host, and then opening up the conversation there and asking people, you know, would you be willing to host one of these? Uh, is, is something on this list interesting to you? So I think having uh, volunteers who uh, are willing uh, has been huge and really, really helpful. And we have great parents who are opening their homes to us. So that's, that's awesome. And how do the students react to, to this? I mean, is there, you know, complaining consistently of, oh, I wish we just had a youth building or my friend has this awesome youth building. And, you know, we, we, we're not, we don't have anything like that. I mean, do you hear that complaining and then kind of how, how much do you kind of share that complaining, uh, which is okay, I think, but then at the same time also painting, Hey, look, um, you know, we've got to have some positivity here as well and not just grumbling and complaining. So kind of the youth reaction there. It's not necessarily as direct as, uh, hey, this other building at this other church is awesome and we don't have a building. It, it's, it never really sounds quite like that, but there is the comparison, I think, between youth ministries, um, which maybe exists, you know, in all church contexts of like, well, this church down the street, they have this super fun fall conference where they give away iPads or something like that. You know, <laughs> why, why aren't we doing something like that? Uh, but I, there is challenge to it for sure. And I think that um, in some ways 
one of the big transitions in our church is that we had our uh, youth ministry joint with our planting church for much of the last four or five years. And uh, my coming on staff in the last year or so has actually been uh, a great step in, you know, kind of individualizing those ministries for uh, planted church from planting church. Um, and, and so some of the complaints are more like, hey, why aren't we meeting back at the church like we used to, like we still kind of have some friends. And so those conversations uh, do happen. Noah, what about you with, with the students? I think that, um, I think it comes across in, in different ways. It's not always overt about kind of complaining about this or that. And, um, but I think one of the realities is, is if you have to find places to meet, more of your energy goes into that and less can go into other things. So when John's talking about a really big event or really well-planned thing, you know, we don't always have the energy to do that because we've expended some on the front end kind of looking for a place. Um, But I think that, I think that our students, especially since COVID have, have viewed it a little bit differently because we could meet in any indoor location for a while, you know, and we were relying on homes and things like that. And then when we were able to get back into our space, even if we're only in that specific space twice a month, I think they begun, began to see oh, we're really thankful that we can do this, you know, kind of leveled that playing field in their minds, I think. Yeah, and I'd say too, like some students, it's it's not necessarily uh, only complaint-based, but uh, some students get really excited about the opportunity to host something at their house. Like it's kind of cool mm-hmm. for a middle school boy to say, yeah, the Christmas party is at, you know, my house this year, or we have this fire pit event. And so that's a cool uh, opportunity for students to really be involved and in kind of taking ownership of the ministry too, which is, I think, unique in some ways. Yeah, John, piggyback on that. I think that's so huge, right? It really does, like you said, help them take ownership and it kind of gives them an experience of a little bit of what it means to kind of serve, you know, the church, which I think is important for where they are. Yeah, no, that, that's that's encouraging to hear that. Um, and I can imagine I'm jumping back a little bit. Uh, you know, I think what you you were saying is just the the energy that it takes um, from you to to you know not only host an event but to have a setup of of the event. Um, you know, I just think of the the youth facilities that we had, and it's nice just to be able to show up at a place. Everything's already set up. You know, <laughs> we've got the couches in place, the ping pong table all that stuff, but to kind of set up and to tear down repeatedly, um, would be exhausting. And so, I, you know, I hear that and I think, okay, that might be kind of in the the negative category of having to move around and not have a place. Um, maybe give me a few more negatives. I mean, some of these might be kind of obvious, but then I also want to move us to some of the positives as well of, um, that, that you guys have seen of this. So maybe a, a few more negatives of just not having a place. What would you say are kind of some of the top that come to mind when I throw that out? John, do you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would completely agree with Noah in the extra effort, it seems, uh, to, you know, to kind of lift, to get any event off the ground, because not only are you trying to plan what the event itself will be, but you're also trying to find, okay, who can host this and, and how long can we be at their house? What times work for them? All of that scheduling that can oftentimes be a mess. Um, I think another real challenge is that for us, we, we really don't have access to uh, the church building where we meet during midweek at all. And so uh, we really don't have space for things like you know, Wednesday night youth group, or, you know, even just fun, silly events that we might like to plan throughout the week. 
we really have to operate on the Sundays that we have available. And we certainly don't want to burn people out and just kind of like constantly do, okay, we're going to do Sunday for, you know, three hours or something like that. And so I think it's, it's a delicate balance of um, being reliant on volunteers for things that you might like to do throughout the week. um, And then also planning things well that you can do um, programmatically on, on Sundays for us. Hmm. Gotcha. John, I mean, no, what, what are some, some negatives that come to your mind? Yeah, I would echo John on, on burnout, and it seems odd that you would say that if you're not meeting as much as another church, but if the effort expended by the individuals is higher, that can that can lead you there. Um, I think another thing that I've thought about, and I don't have good answers for, is the feeling of unrootedness. You know, you, normally when you have a building, you're then rooted in that place in the community, and even if you're worshiping somewhere every week, you're still kind of always saying we might be somewhere else, you know, we might not be here. And so I think with a building, you, you start to say, let's be rooted in this community and let's find ways to serve and things like that. And so not having one, you tend to think, well, we still need to be doing those things. We still need to be serving, but it's hard to know where to kind of channel that energy all the time, because you might say, well, I don't know how long we're going to be here, but we need to do something. You know, we also want to invest in a place where we're going to be long-term. And so that can be difficult. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, you think of just traveling and how traveling just can take so much energy out of you and it can be exhausting. And um, then when you come home, it's a place that's familiar and you can relax. And I would think it's similar to just not have a building that's familiar, not have a place of, okay, yeah, here's the fellowship hall. Here's the sanctuary. Here's the, the, the youth rooms when it's always changing that, that does, I mean, to get at that kind of how you said at the rootedness uh, that's lacking there. Um well, not, not just to be talking about the downers of this, but also maybe some of the, the positives. I mean, I can remember somebody who was talking about um, when they were a church plant and they borrowed a facility that they would, you know, set up the chairs for the sanctuary. And then after worship, they would tear the chairs down and then they might have a fellowship meal. And then when they finally got in a building and all the kind of the setup was done away with, there was a sense of kind of that they lost a sense of community that they once had. They kind of were bonding over working together and laboring alongside each other. Um, and so maybe that's some of what you guys have experienced of kind of laboring together to do some of that, but maybe some, some other joys um, of uh, this unique situation, John. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree uh, with, the, with that story that you mentioned. I, one of the things that I like about operating in a, a church context with, you know, a church plant that is relatively young is that uh, there's real opportunity to serve in a lot of different areas because, um, you know, our staff is still building in a lot of ways. And and there's a lot of things about the life of our church that are growing and being shaped. And so may have the opportunity to help out with, you know, children's ministry event or help out with uh, setting up and tearing down and and all these kinds of things that um, you may not have the opportunity to do otherwise if, if youth programming was so built out and, uh, you know, so planned, I think as well, a tremendous blessing in addition to students taking ownership is, is just the grace that it has given to me to show that, you know, I'm not able to do this on my own, you know, that I, I'm the first person hired on staff for youth at our church. And, and I'm highly dependent on volunteers. Like I need other people. I need parents to be able to host and to communicate and, which I think is good for me, you know, to show me that I am not able 
to do it all on my own. I'm not a superhuman youth worker. I actually <laughs> have weaknesses and blind spots and, and I, I need people who can uh, help me. So mm-hmm. that's been a positive for me. Yeah, that, that's a good word. And you think too of just the students witness that as well, you know, and you just think of the the benefit for those students who, who grow up in this, uh, you know, kind of context to just see everyone chipping in, everyone helping out. Um, so it would be interesting just to see kind of the fruit of some of that, you know, five to 10, 15 years down the road, uh, when, whenever they're in a church and just the attitudes and the ways in which they uh, hopefully uh, will serve the, the church context that they enter into. So Noah, what, what about some some joys that you can think of? Yeah, that, that serving piece I think is big. I think it also allows you, interestingly enough, to get a, a better perspective in, on families. I mean, if, if somebody's hosting an event, you're there, you know, however many minutes early and you're going to be there after it's over. And so you're, you're getting this peek into their lives that you wouldn't normally get because you're, they're opening their space to you and you're seeing it before and after, you know. Um, and you're you're planning things with them. And, and so I think sometimes you can get actually an even better perspective on the families in your group because, you know, they're giving more of themselves when they give. Um, I think that's I think that's uh, really unique. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's definitely a vulnerability when you're inviting people into your home and you get to even if, you know, they get it all cleaned up before you show up, that there's still some behind the scenes that you, you get kind of an inside peek into the families. Um, and I'd love for y'all to, to speak to that as you're using people's homes more and more. Um, what, what are some, uh, what are some things you've learned from that process? I mean, from just kind of chipping into helping clean up to just kind of practical things, what, what, what are some things that come to mind that you've learned maybe do's and don'ts of, uh, using, uh, families homes for, for youth events. Who wants to, to jump in on that one first? I'll take it and then I'll okay. pass it to yeah, John. Yeah. I, I think, um, one of the things that I've kind of come to over time is, you know, obviously you're always allowing people to volunteer their homes. I'm never telling anybody that, okay, this is where we're going to do it. But I find that you don't necessarily have to do that. People will offer. Um, but then even in hosting an event, there are a lot of different ways that the family can serve and they might want to do it one way and they might not want to, you know, they might say, yeah, I want you to bring all the food. I don't want to have to make anything. Or they might say, actually, I'd love to, you know? And so, not having a, a set in stone way of doing it and allow them to kind of serve in the way that they desire to do that, which might be different for a different family. Um, and then one thing I've tried to do to help not have people burn out as much in hosting, I don't know if it's working or not, who's to say, but um, I try to, I try to write notes. So thank you notes afterwards, mm. you know, the next week, the next two weeks and just say, Hey, we can't do this without you, you know, things we've said on this podcast, but, letting them know. Hmm. That's, that's awesome. Um, I, I, I'm terrible at writing thank you notes. And so just whenever I hear someone saying they take the, make the effort to do that, that is awesome. And that does go a long way. Um, and, and two, just going back to the first thing you said of not just having, Hey, here's the kind of rules that we have in place, or here's our, our typical format of how we do things, but, but asking them to speak into that. And I was going to ask just kind of practically, do you kind of, is that how you present it uh, when you're talking to these parents? Do you say, Hey, look, you know, thank you so much for letting us use your house. Would you like for us to bring food or do you just kind of pose it as a question? How, how do you go about doing that? At this point, you know, after they've agreed to host, I'll say, Hey, we can do this a couple different ways, whatever is best for you. And then I kind of offer them those ways of, Hey, 
I can bring food, not a problem. You know, if you want to make something and if you want to make something, I can reimburse you for it, you know, just mm-hmm. giving them different, different ways, you know, cause some of them might say, yeah, I, I really have the time and effort and I want to do this. And I want to bless the church by, you know, not having it come out of your budget. But some of them might be like, yeah, you can use our space, but we got a lot going on. So if you just do everything else, that's great. You know, yeah, I don't think either one of those is better. It just depends on the family and sure. the timing. Yeah. No, what, what are some, some do's and don'ts that you've uh, <laughs> learned through this process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Noah, I, I um, am totally jealous of your thank you note writing abilities. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I got to say, I don't always remember. So it sounds better than it probably is. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a great idea though. And uh, certainly something that I think I'd, I'd like to start doing myself. Um, but I think that uh, over communication is good communication, in my opinion. Um, so when a parent agrees to host, you know, starting to talk through all of the details of the event and, you know, uh, making sure that you have the time solidified, you know, and letting them know, okay, like, we want to do this around y'all schedule, like, when works best for you? When can we, when can we start? When do we need to finish? Like, when can I be there early? And when do I need to be out? You know, things like that, that can be the logistics of the event. And then from there, um, it can depend on the family some too. Uh, some, some families will, you know, come out and say to you, hey, we'd love to host this event. This is what we can do. It, it doesn't involve making food this time, but we want to have the space for you guys. It's important to us. And that's awesome. You know, like even that, it's just like, thank you so much. Like I can take care of the rest. And then other times families, you know, want to do the whole thing. And so starting that conversation about, you know, all of the practicals and then also uh, making sure that you talk through the details of, you know, knowing what's, what's needed for the event and, and seeing what, uh, what they're willing to do. Um, I think, I think it's great. So along the lines of what Noah's saying there, um, and I think uh, a don't is, is to assume, you know, anything <laughs> about, uh, about their willingness or the timing um, because you can get into some really tricky situations <laughs> if, if you don't communicate there. Wow. No, that's, that's think, a good, yeah, get for it now. Oh yeah. I, I just had another don't that came to mind as, as John was talking. Uh, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good when it comes to meeting, mm-hmm. because I know I can look in my own heart and mind and say, I want every time we meet to this to just be this awesome experience and it works well and the family's there and they're involved. But sometimes you just need a place, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, the family's out of town, but they've said, use our space, you know? And so you, you do what you have to do in order to meet. And it's good that you meet, you know, and it's always better to do that than to say, well, it's not going to be the way I want it to. So let me just not do it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Especially, I mean, if COVID's taught us anything, just the importance of meeting together, period. You know, so that, that's a, that's a good word. John, you were about to say something too. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree with Noah on that, um, on that thought, because there have been some events that have been total train wrecks. Like it was, <laughs> it was really funny to, uh, this, this wonderful family was willing to host. We were trying to do a movie night for our middle schoolers and they were really excited about it. You know, they got the snacks and the drinks and they were ready and we had communicated to everyone and we were excited and absolutely nobody came. It was just <laughs> me and their family and another youth volunteer. And you know what? We, we still took that opportunity and we, 
we watched the movie together and it was actually really special. Like just having that time to see their family outside of the normal church context or school context and just to be with them and to meet, which, you know, maybe from the outside might look like a disaster of an event, you know, you plan an event and nobody showed up, but it, it actually ended up uh, being really, really good. So. That's, that's awesome. Um, no, yeah, I've had those moments. I mean, I've had, you know, something that I planned and, um, I haven't had it to where nobody showed up, but it was a slim crowd and it's just, oh man, um, this did not go how I wanted, but the Lord still uses it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I did. I did have an experience when nobody showed up, but thankfully we were hosting my wife and I, so <laughs> nobody else was put out, but, us. um, so, but that does bring it into the interesting dynamic of figure out are the ways that you can host or not. I think it, it looks differently based on age and stage and space. You know, we live in an apartment, so we don't have tons and tons of room, but just because if you have parents and families who are really willing to do that, I think if you can do it at all in certain ways, maybe it's meeting with a small group instead of the large group. I think opening your own home is an important thing to kind of kind of be in the same place as the families and say, yeah, we're also committed in this way, you know, to the church. But that takes some more effort for sure and planning because it's your own space. Yeah, that's 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 a good word. Um, and just going back to, I mean, which I can't remember if it was John or Noah who said it first, but just over communicate. Um, I mean, I can remember as we've had uh, different people volunteer, you can tell those who are comfortable volunteering in certain situations, some who don't handle stress quite as well. And just the communication aspect is so key. Um, on that. Um, look, I, I know we're going to start wrapping this up in just a bit, but what, what are some questions that you guys still feel like you have now that you've you know been doing this a little while and um, some some thoughts that you, uh, it could be, I mean, again, some, some things that you've learned, but also some questions that you guys still have as well. Yeah, I think uh, for me, one of the things I think about a lot is how do you balance um, the necessity of volunteers and the willingness of parents and, and things like that with, with not um, expecting too much or needing too much and burning people out. So it always seems like this dance of like, we have need, but I also don't want our volunteers to feel like I'm trying to take all of their time and all of their effort. Um, and so it's, it's hard to know exactly how to strike that balance of like, uh, you know, wanting to bring people in and for them to to be involved, but um, also not um, taking too much from what they'll give you and, and burning them out. Um, that's one of the questions that's on my mind frequently. Wow, no, that that's a that's a good one. And, and I mean, my kind of follow up to that is, I mean, do you just do you try to have some pretty open communication of, Hey, look, you guys are awesome for volunteering. I want you guys to be a part and to help volunteering, but look, please be blunt. If it's not a good time and just let me know if we're, you know, using you guys too much. Do you try to have those kind of conversations? Yes, absolutely. At all times, I try to uh, make sure our volunteers know how thankful I am that they're, you know, willing to spend their time uh, with me and with students. Um, and then, Having check-ins, uh, ideally, like every semester or so, you know, beginning and end, when people kind of are coming on board and saying, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm willing, I, I'd like to be involved, and then kind of coming back on the back end and saying, you know, how do you think things have gone? Like, how are you doing personally? Is this something that you could see yourself doing next semester? And then providing space for people to say, 
you know, this has been great, but uh, I think I need to take some time off. Or, you know, uh, sometimes people will say, I love this. I want to still be involved. I want to be involved as long as I'm at this church, you know, and that's, that's awesome too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah. Good question to bring up and just something for, yeah, for all of us. I feel like there, there's so much in this conversation that really just applies to anyone utilizing volunteers um, and to, to be aware of just that communication that they know that they can speak up at any time and say it's not a good a good season and that's something for all of us to to be aware of as we know in life we have great seasons in life and then we have just seasons that are really hard and just for everyone to be sensitive to that to realize okay this family might be going through a lot behind the scenes and we need to just kind of um be aware of um the struggles that families can have and and not burn them out so that's a, that's a good question. No, about what about you? What are some questions that you have? Yeah. One I ask myself all the time, I think is how do I translate valuable information that's out there on youth ministry to my context? Because I've, I've oscillated back and forth from the extremes of, I want to do all these things that other people are doing. And then I quickly realize, well, I can't, I can't do them all the way to the, well, I just won't listen to what other people are doing because I can't do any of it. You know, and so how how to strike that balance of taking what somebody is doing or talking about and translating it? I think that's really something I'm thinking about more and more. Is how do we how do you translate good, valuable information and and, and things on youth ministry to this context? And that's something I don't really have a good answer for right now. Gotcha. Yeah. No. That that's that's good. John, do you have any any thoughts on that? Anything that comes to mind as Noah shares that? Right. Yeah. I mean. Uh, certainly not an answer, but it just, it resonates, you know, hearing like, wow, it seems like this person is doing this really wonderful thing. I think I might like to try something like that, but it, it doesn't quite plug in and play, you know, quite as easily in your context. And so, um, I think, yeah, being thoughtful about what elements of this are helpful and, and what could we potentially do? Um, that's a great question, Noah. Yeah, that is. And that's something... I know again, we say YLT again, um, but, um, and I don't think this originated at YLT, but talking about philosophy of ministry, you know, a fixed theology and a flexible methodology that we have a theology that's fixed, a theology that we're not going to, you know, modify in any way. Um, but the ways in which we implement it, you know, in our ministry are going to vary from context to context geographically, or, you know, in the, the case that you guys are dealing with of um, not having a place to meet. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to, to think through just the unique challenges that are gonna that are gonna come up because of that. Um, yes, Noah. Yeah, it's something came to mind. I think it's important in this conversation that is a is a helpful thing about doing youth ministry without a building for our students. Is I think they get a very unique perspective that I think also helps them understand a lot of the context of the New Testament in a valuable way. There have been times when we've talked about house churches, we've talked about this or that. And I think, um, I think their understanding of the church actually has grown and does grow as a result of this um, because they can connect to that idea even more that it's not about a building, you know, it's about rather the gathered community. Um, and so even in the midst of the challenges of finding a place, communicating, getting volunteers, doing the events, I do think there's something that grows in our students and volunteers as well as my own heart about understanding what that community is really gathered around. Hmm. 
that's that's really good yeah it will be interesting um kind of i guess going back a little earlier just thinking of some of the fruit from these students lives um of just this perspective and like you said i mean that alone for them to see the new testament in a different way um for them to see scripture um in um yeah in in, in new ways in a unique perspective that's good um john uh, noah y'all want to add anything before i close this out if anybody has has answers to some of these things has thoughts i would love to hear them um my you know, email is noah at newstpeters.org i'm happy to hear hear from people I, i'd love more thoughts for sure no yeah just th- thanks for the space to uh to even open up these conversations and just uh be free to ask questions certainly not have all the answers um i think i think it's really helpful especially having you know uh co-laborer like Noah, who's in a similar context and in the Metroplex, you know, that's helpful to just see I'm not totally alone in this. And so, yeah, thanks. That's a, that's a good word. And it is, uh, no, again, just going back to you stopping me at the conference to bring that up. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, you know, that's a category I knew existed, but hadn't really stopped and given a lot of thought to. And so it's, um, to, to just be able to kind of give you guys the space to come on and kind of share some of these unique challenges I know will resonate with people out there. Um, and definitely, you know, those who are listening, reach out if you have any thoughts, if any of you have gone through this kind of uh, scenario, um, reach out, let us know. Um, we, we'd love to to pass that on. And, and also, too, just something where we're trying to do a little bit more is to, to have people um, reach out and, and give us um, – you know, questions that they're wrestling with in youth ministry. And we'd love to talk about them on this podcast. So feel free to reach out um, at RYM. Uh, I'm sorry, I messed that up. At podcast at RYM.org. So podcast at RYM.org. Just send us any questions you have related to youth ministry. We'd love to try to discuss them. As we've said, not be experts and answer everything, but just raise questions and, and talk about them. So Noah, John, appreciate you guys taking the time to come on the podcast today. Thank, Thank you. you. Without money, oh, come and feast without pay. For the king has opened his banquet hall to the beggar, the outcast.